0: Father, we surrender ourselves to you this morning, and we say, come and have your way. Spirit of God, flow through this place. Take my words that are really your words, I trust. Anoint them and let them touch every heart in this place. Help us to be honest in our self-evaluation. Cause us to look to you, knowing that you are the one who strengthens us. You guide us, you protect us, you lead us, you change us, you heal us, you make us whole. And so we want to give you all the glory in this place this morning, as we have done up until now. Come and have your way, Spirit of God, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Okay, last week, Pastor Tark spoke on Beyond Me. Good message, wasn't it? Who heard it? Yeah? Okay. Beyond Me. Now, he was using it in the context that it's not all about me, that there is a purpose for the church, and God's got a goal, and... And part of that is going to be achieved, for example, through New Zealand and beyond, spearheading the prayer walk for all of New Zealand. It's not just our church. It's all the churches in New Zealand. All Christian people can be involved in that. And prayer is about beyond me, isn't it? It's about going outside of me and caring about other people, other situations, other circumstances, believing that when I stand in the gap and I pray, God has the freedom to do what he wants to do because one of us, two of us, 40 of us, 400 of us, a million of us stand up saying God can do it, yeah? And that's what the volunteering for the conference is about, for the conferences, for New Zealand Beyond Conferences, Beyond Me. Today I'm going to talk about Beyond Me but in a different context. I'm going to say that it's Beyond Me to do anything. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. It's beyond me to control the circumstances. I need to look to God. I need to put Him in control. We're going to be talking about temptations and overcoming temptations and how in our own strength we can't do it. But with God, all things are possible and nothing is too difficult. Amen? We're going to start off with a clip called The Story of Three Frogs. It's only one minute long. So if you blink, you'll miss it. All right, so let's have a look at that before I carry on. of the story of the frogs is make a decision and take action. We make lots of decisions in our lives and many of them we don't action. Amen. We need to make a decision, take action. We need to have faith in God to help us step by step, one step at a time. Get our eyes on Jesus step by step, one step at a time and it will happen. But we making a decision isn't enough. We have to take that first step then the second step then the next one the next one. You know, at the beginning of this year, I made a decision to take action to beat an addiction. It was a winning decision, but today I stand before you disappointed in myself because I took my eyes off the prize and I've lost much of the ground that I gained. You see, I have the signs of osteoarthritis in my body. It's a debilitating chronic disease that, if left untracked, results in increased pain, severe disability, and ultimately in total loss of independence. Managing this disease with drugs is limited because there's actually no cure. However, diet and exercise um, have a huge impact on its progre- progress, or limiting its progress. Thank you, Jesus got a cough as a result of the flu, Um, limiting the progress of the disease and its disabling effects. For me, sugar in particular significantly increases the swelling, the stiffness and the pain in my joints. In fact, I can eat a chocolate bar and as I eat the chocolate bar, I can feel the pain and then a joint becomes stiff and it will no longer bend. That's how quick it is with sugar in my body. I've known this for a long time, over many years, and I've done little about it. At the beginning of this year, as my joints thickened, became stiff, and some even became immovable, the continual pain in my hands was so severe that some nights I couldn't sleep at all. And so I made a decision that I had to take drastic dietary action, not only to control but to reduce the arthritis that was ruling my body and therefore ruling my life. So I prayed and I fasted and I waited upon the Lord. And in mid-January, together, the Lord and I embarked upon a four-month journey that successfully eliminated all sugars from my diet, all sugar, reduced it to a normal level, and actually i'm um, stopped all the symptoms the signs i had no pain whatsoever at all so it was quite remarkable what happened my addiction to sugar also left i no longer craved it i no longer i could look at cakes i could walk past chocolate and it didn't even i didn't even turn my head totally gone the addiction gone after 12 months after 4 months only with god i discovered because what happened was that I started boasting to others, and in fact, I think I did it to you, all right, about my great success, my great success. And in doing so, I took my eyes off Jesus, and I began putting my eyes on myself. I can do this. Look what I've done. I'm pretty good. And as a result of my change in focus from the Lord, away from the Lord and toward me, I started losing the spiritual battle. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't reverse the downhill slide. And in fact, it got to a point where I was eating, not because I wanted to, but simply because I had lost that control in Christ over the addiction. I would eat stuff I didn't even want to eat. I would eat it until I felt sick. It was like, give me sugar, give me sweets, give me... It was worse after than it was before. Do you know what I'm talking about when you've got a temptation? It's a curse of a thing, isn't it? All right, so finally, two weeks ago, because I felt the God said I had to preach on this topic, I have to be honest, two weeks ago, I renewed my commitment to look to Jesus to get the battle won, and mostly it's working. I am again on the winning team, and that team is Jesus and me. Jesus and me. It's no one else's problem. It's no one else's issue. You know, when I have a birthday party and somebody bakes me a cake, I don't have to have a piece of that cake. I can be honest. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my God. Almighty God. We'll still finish on time. The devil will not win. Along the way, I learnt three important lessons that I always knew have been reinforced. The first one is that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Second is, what I do is not the good that I want to do, Instead, I do what I don't want to do. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, good murmur. And the third is that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Yeah. And we know this, don't we? I mean, I'm, I'm reading it, and you're immediately giving me the answers because you know the answers. We know the answers. But we have this will within us that just wants to do its own thing. So let's look at the nature of temptation In Romans 7, verses 15, we read, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that is what I do. It's a funny thing, isn't it, that scripture? All right? I don't understand it. Why do I do the thing that I don't want to do? The thing that I hate the most, why do I do it? I want to read it to you from the Message Bible. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. But if I can't, So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. I obviously need help. I realise that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. That's because I don't really decide. I'm not really committed. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, do not result in actions. Some, something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly, it's predictable. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Sin's there to trip me right up. I've tried everything, nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and he does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. So I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, where I want to serve him with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something else, Jesus is there to help. Good news? All right. But apart from Christ, I can do nothing. I like the Message Bible sometimes. It says it in plain language, doesn't it? We can't miss the point. Other times I don't want to hear it in plain language because I do want to miss the point. When temptation arises, we usually respond in one of three ways. Firstly, we simply give in to it. It feels good, so just do it. We have that mentality, all right? Why are you fighting it? It's not that bad. It's only once. So we just simply do it. The second way we respond to temptation is we enter into a daily struggle against it. But often we fight in our own strength. We fight and we fail over and over because we don't have the power to overcome habits of the old nature. We can't do it by ourselves alone. And it's when we think we can do it and we fall into the trap and we're successful. How long? A week? A month? Maybe two months? Maybe four months? We take our eyes off Jesus if we ever put them on in the first place, or we never had him there anyway and we just run out of puff. We can't be that strong world, forever. Amen. In ourselves we can't do it. The third way we respond is that we overcome temptation through the power of Jesus Christ who with us turns the temptation into victorious triumphs and I've been there and I've had temptations I when I first was saved I had a thing I used to fantasize about I'd go into this daydreaming thing now it didn't hurt anyone Nobody knew about it. It was all inside me, but God put his finger on it, and he said, you've got to get rid of this. It's a time waster. It distracts you, and it prevents you from concentrating or meditating on things I want you to meditate on. Do you know that that happened in the first year of my being saved in 1987? And every day of my life for the next 20 years, I prayed about it every single day. Because it would just come like that and I'd be right in there. And it was one of those things that I struggled over and struggled over. But the difference was I did it in Christ Jesus. Now, the only time I think about it is when I speak about it as a testimony. But that's only been in the last five years. And I think I've been a Christian, is it 30 years, 87? Yeah, 30 years, all right. So the last five years only have I not been praying about it every single day so with Christ I mean I'm talking 25 years you hear what I'm saying this is a lifetime thing we're talking about all right Um, three sources of temptations 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 12 and 13 says if you think you're standing firm then be careful you don't fall it's my testimony today If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. That's good news. What is common to man? It means that there's no temptation that's ever going to confront you or take control of you that somebody else hasn't had and that God doesn't know about and hasn't already dealt with. All right? Nothing. There is somebody else probably millions of other people in the world who suffer right now the same temptation that you've got going on in your life. You're not alone in this. And it's not something that God doesn't know about and he can't deal with. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now isn't that interesting? What I don't want to do, I do do. What I want to do, I don't do. And yet it says he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now this is the test Do you believe the word of God? Because that's what this issue is about. Either you believe that he won't tempt you beyond what you can bear or you won't. If you believe it, then when you see the chocolate or somebody offers me something, I'll be able to say, no, I'm not having that, thank you. It's nice of you to offer, but I'm just off that at the moment. I'm not eating that. All right? And it won't be a struggle for me. Because I believe that God said I won't be tempted by it, therefore I choose to just walk it by and not be tempted. Do you get what I'm getting at here? All right? He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can endure. So when you are tempted and you give in, that's got nothing to do with God. That's to do with your own will overriding the desire and the will of God. And you've just made a choice to live in a way contrary to what God would have us live. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He will also provide a way out. Now, what I'm going to do now in a few minutes is provide you with the way out that he gave me. One example, biblically based, that if you are struggling, and let's face it, if you're breathing, you're struggling, you're battling, because we live in a world full of temptations. It's not the temptation that's the problem. It's what you do with the temptation that's the problem. And so he'll find a way out so you can get out of it. Temptations are common to all people. No one is exempt. God never tempts us. Rather, he helps us to overcome the temptations. Most times we blame the devil. The devil made me do that. The devil dangled it in front of me. The devil caused me to be in this place right now when I saw that thing. Don't we blame the devil when we give in to the temptation and sin. But the truth is that mostly it's our own evil desires that causes us to take action different from what we have planned, from what we know is the right way to deal with it. So firstly, the world tempts us. We see in Genesis um, chapters 10 to 12, we look at, the story of Lot and Lot worked hard then he lifted up his eyes and he saw what was happening to all the people around him and he liked what he saw and he changed his way of living and became like them, yeah, he lived with Christ, took his eyes off Christ, looked to the world around him and said these people have got everything, they've got money, they've got no burdens, they live a great life, that's what I'm going to have and as a result he lost everything that he had which was eternal and of value we can get so caught up in the ways of the world that we don't realize how far we've actually moved away from the kingdom now if you've recently come into the kingdom of God those ways of the world are very familiar to you they're the way you've lived I lived that way for 39 years so to me it's very clear that's what I used to do before I was 39 and this is what I should do after I um, was 39 all right and so But, you know, sometimes we get mixed messages and we don't know what is of the kingdom and what is of God. But when we're working in the world and we're out there in the world and we're participating in the activities of the world, things get blurred and we don't realise how much we're being contaminated by it if we're not taking care to avoid that. The world tempts us. The world appeals to our souls. That's to our will, our mind and our emotion. And it tells us, you want more. You need more, you can have more, just take it. And we indulge in self-gratifying temptations that pamper our ego, they pamper our pride, and we choose to enjoy the pleasures of the world more than we choose to enjoy um, living in the kingdom and being with Christ. The second source of temptation is, as I've already mentioned, the devil. In Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11, we read the story of how Jesus was taken by the Spirit, I might add, into the desert and he was tempted. And the things that he were offered were great and amazing things, but he kept coming back. It's not in the Word of God. He kept using the Word of God to stand against it, all right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God, yes, okay, And so there's a message in there, isn't there? Just looking at the example of Jesus. We say, but Jesus is Jesus, and he was sinless, but he was also man when he was here on earth. He was tempted with the same things we were tempted, but he knew the key. The key was God, the word of God, the living word of God. All right, that was the key. Um, The devil's primary focus is is to attack our spirit. Now, he does attack in all three areas, but he focuses on our spirit because it's with our spirit that we know God. It's with our spirit we worship God and have intimate communication with God, and the devil hates that. He hates that. And so everything he's trying to do is to break that connection, to take away that um, holy relationship we have with our God. He wars against our spirit to cut off this fellowship and what does he do? He uses doubts and lies. He uses false doctrine. He uses condemnations. This is the way the devil helps us to believe that um, this temptation is not as bad as it looks or it's okay. Yeah, and so we get sucked in and we get drawn away from the truth. The third area of temptation is temptations of the flesh. By the flesh we mean the body itself, it's about our old nature, who we were before we were renewed in our nature by the nature of Christ, filled with the Spirit of God. Our own fleshly desires tempt us. In James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15, we read, When tem- tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he um, tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, what does this actually say? It says, each one of us, no one's exempt, so everyone in (laughs) this room. When by his own evil desire, he's enticed. See, temptations are around us all the time. There's a temptation now, and I'm not saying you're doing this, so don't hear me wrong, um, because I know you use your phones to read the Word of God and that. But there's a temptation to do read our emails while we're in church. There's a temptation to look upon... Um, Images that are ungodly or unhelpful to us, all right. Temptations all around us. You know, you just need to be on a bus and look at another bus, and what do you see? Or the billboards, whatever, all right. All around us is temptation. We're not going to get away from temptation, but it's what we do with the temptation. When you keep looking at the temptation, when you keep thinking about it, and you keep considering it then it becomes a desire in you that's so strong you can't get rid of it. And so it's your own evil desire that comes as a result of the temptation, which is the problem. And when we entertain that desire and then we think on it, like one piece of chocolate won't hurt me, we put it into our mouths and we're hooked. And if I keep on that road, it's going to lead to physical death and disability. But in fact, if I do that often enough and give in to every temptation, it's going to take me away from Christ and I'm going to lose my eternal reward as well. All right? It's got huge consequences. Um, I'm very clear that God did not cause me to start eating sugar foods again. I also know that Satan had nothing to do with it. It was all about me. I saw something, I desired, and the longer I thought about it, the weaker I became until I finally ate that piece of chocolate. After all, one small piece couldn't hurt me, could it? But once I'd eaten the first sweet thing, I was right back into that addiction cycle again, hooked in. Like an al- a- a- alcoholic to whiskey, like a substance abuser to ice or a person on pornography to the internet. Um, we got these thorns in our flesh that have strong holds in our lives and prevent us from fulfilling God's wonderful plans for us. And if we give in to them, if we dwell on them, then we're hooked and we're on in the cycle again. My question to you is, what is your thorn? What are the temptations? The one predominant, let's deal with one at a time, the one predominant temptation that's always hovering over you, drawing you away, distracting you, causing you to dwell upon it? What are you hooked on? What do you need to break free from today? And do you need to break free from that today? You know, today is your opportunity. Christ is in this house, definitely here during the worship, beautiful time of worship. God is here. This is God's word. Today is make or break day for some of you. Today... You can have prayer that will release you and set you free from it and set you on the path of truth. But you've got to make a decision and then take action. Like the frogs. You know, there might be, I don't know how many how many people are in here today? A hundred and something? Hundred, something? All right. That many people came in, that many people could go out and continue doing exactly the same. And the maths would be so a lot of you, maybe 50% of you made a decision, but 100% of you walked out still doing the same thing. All right, you've got to take it the next step. Um, with the help of Lord Jesus, we can overcome this. Over. So how do we overcome? Okay, simple way. We overcome the flesh with flight. We overcome the world with faith. And we overcome the devil with fight. Flight, faith, and fight. So let's look at the first one. Overcome flesh with flight. In Proverbs 6.27, the Lord says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Think about this. Fire, put it into your lap. What's going to happen? Everything that fire touches is going to be ignited and burned, all right? So you play with fire, you get burned. That's what it means, all right? You can't expose yourself to fleshly temptations and expect to walk away untouched. As soon as you dwell on something you shouldn't be looking at, it's already inside there doing its job. As soon as you listen to something, i.e. gossip, that you shouldn't be doing, it's inside there, all right, doing its work. As soon as you eat something you shouldn't eat, it's inside there, building up the desire. You got it? All right? As soon as you see something of the flesh coming your way, you turn around and you run in the opposite direction. Flatten everyone around you if you have to, but get out of there. All right? Particularly if it's smoking, ice, alcohol, those sort of things that are highly addictive. Don't hang around. Get out. Take flight. Take flight. Overcome the world with faith. In James 4, verses 7a, 8 and 10, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. The only way we can get away from the world is to have our eyes firmly set on Jesus Christ, to have a faith in him, to trust him, to love him and trust him, that he's going to do exactly what you need. After all, we read that scripture which says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear if you believe him, if you trust him, if you give it to him to do, all right? And when there is a temptation, he will provide a way out that only comes through faith in God, no other way. In in our fleshly way, we can never do that. We might do it for a, a week, a month, a season, But ultimately, we're drawn right back in there again. It's only in Christ Jesus that these things can be broken and we can be released from them. Um, And the answer is that we need to walk in truth. When we walk in truth, we read truth, which of course is the Word of God, isn't it? When we read truth, we meditate on this instead of the temptation, then the temptation lifts. uh, just disappears and suddenly we're full of love and rejoicing and praise and worship for God. Yeah? Of course, there's a choice in the middle of this because I discovered early on with those fantasies I was having that in fact, every time I surrendered it to God and, and meditated on His Word, it disappeared. And I discovered that my body didn't want it to disappear. I felt better. in the temptation than outside the temptation because that fantasy was fulfilling a need or a desire, a fleshly need that I had. So once you start to meditate on the word of God, you're going to fall into the pit of, oh, I don't think I like this. It's not nearly as exciting. I don't feel as good. And then you've got another choice to make. Are you going to continue to keep your eyes on Jesus? or That's what happened to me with the sugar. All right, so um, that's walking in truth. Overcoming the devil is by fight. James 4, 7b, which is embedded in the middle of the previous scripture, says resist the devil and he will flee. You cannot run away from the devil, but you can drive him away from you with the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. You cannot run away from the devil, he's always there, but you can drive him away from you with the authority and power of Jesus Christ. So you resist the devil with the word. You resist the devil in the spirit. Resist him with the word. Start declaring the word, declaring the truth that's relevant to the situation. I am more than an overcomer. I can do all things in Christ Jesus. Start using the word of God. You know? Um, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and the enemy is beneath my feet. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus is the key. Resist in the spirit, start speaking in tongues. To get rid of the fantasy, I would declare who I was in Christ and then I would start praying in tongues and until I couldn't remember why I was praying in tongues. Because once you can't remember why you're praying in tongues, the temptation's gone. And that's because full of the Holy Spirit, speaking the Holy Spirit, non-stop speaking the Spirit language, That was what was occupying my mind. It was righteousness, it was truth, it was God, and the temptation disappeared. Do you understand it? To do that, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do I deal with temptation? When I became a Christian, I was also a social smoker, and one day the Lord told me to stop smoking because it was not good for my health and it didn't honour him. It wasn't a good example of who he was. The Holy Spirit took me to the scripture in James 4 verses 4 to 10 and caused me to meditate on this passage of scripture. I got a revelation that changed my life then and has been changing it ever since. I learned to overcome temptations by following the process embedded in this scripture. That's the action part. You've got to make the decision, then you've got to take the action. All right? God, I recognize that I have this temptation to sugar. I I declare that I am a child of God. I belong to the family of God. I am in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who, um, who loves me and who cares for me. Father, I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ now. Come, Lord Jesus, take control of my life. Spirit of God, I pray that you would come and fill me with the word of God, with the power of God, with the authority of God, the strength of God. And I keep praying until it's gone. That's the process. You can do it in a minute or you can do it in 15 minutes. Sometimes you have to go back and do it again and again and again, but that's the process that works for me. I don't think it'll be too much different from you because it's scripture-based and it works every time. I teach that to people who try to break addictions. I walk with them through it and they stop smoking. They stop reading pornography. Alcohol takes a little more time and I would imagine substance abuse does too. I haven't had time to work with people haven't had that opportunity, who uh, have other forms of substance abuse other than alcohol. But it works every time if you put it in practice. But you've got to not just make the decision, you have to put it into practice and keep doing it until you can't remember why you're doing it. All right, it's a choice. I have to choose to act or not to act, just like the frogs. I don't know what temptations you're dealing with in your life today, but as I said before, I know that if you're breathing you're also being tempted because that's the reality of our lives. In the world, in the flesh, the devil, we have this constant battle that we're in. It's a spiritual battle, but with Jesus Christ we can get out of it. And so we're going to open up the altar now and we're going to offer you an opportunity to come and to have prayer. All right. now um, the worship team could come up please. Sorry, I shouldn't have called you. before. You bring your need to him today. You lay it down. You declare who you are in Christ Jesus. And as you declare who you are in Christ Jesus, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues and you watch. Yeah, just come along. That's fine. You watch what God does. They are, but that's all right. No, you stay here. I'll pray for you while they're singing, okay? Now, I know that every one of us have got things we're struggling with. This is your opportunity. You don't have to come down, but this is your opportunity. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you've heard what I'm talking about and you say, I need to break free from the thing that's in control of my life. You come down here today, we'll pray with you, and we'll introduce you to Jesus at the same time as we allow the Lord um, to work within you, um, provide that opportunity. So come on down, and we will pray with you. There, okay, so if you could all stand up, please. Now that you've started moving, keep on moving, all right? Who amongst you would like to meet Jesus? Come down. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. Keep coming. Thank you, Lord. Don't be afraid and don't be embarrassed. Just come forward and we'll pray. We're all there. We all know what we're talking about here and more of you would like to come. Come.